Okay, those of you who know me know I tend to be more of a teacher than a preacher. Both preaching and teaching are necessary. They're, they're gifts that are absolutely vital for the church. <clears throat> and I'm losing my voice here, so I'm going to sneak one of these throat lozenges out that have been supplied for us. Ricola. I don't know what happens. I just pulled out of the package and I started singing. <clears throat> All right, we're in 1 Peter chapter 5 today. We've been going through the book of 1 Peter, <clears throat> and we've finally arrived at chapter 5. <clears throat> the problem is chapter 5, verses 1 through 4, which is where we are today, <clears throat> opens up a topic that is, mm, it reaches all the way through God's Word. Uh, we're going to spend some time in the Old Testament and the New Testament today. We're not going to get done with this today. We'll cover these four verses fairly well, but um, the topic, the work of the shepherds, which is what First Peter 5, 1 through 4 is about, is too broad to cover in one session like this. <clears throat> um, so it's going to be in three. Uh, we're going to address half of, or a little better than half of, the job description of shepherds, elders, overseers. <clears throat> um, next week we'll finish that up. It'll be very short, that part, and begin talking about the prerequisites for the job. I mean, if I talk to you about what an engineer does, not the kind that drive trains, the guys that, you know, build bridges and, and bulldozers and those sorts of things. I was about 30 before I realized that an engineer is not necessarily someone who drives a train. <clears throat> You actually can get a degree in engineering, and it doesn't involve driving a train. That's what that's what um, uh, not Rick Isaac is working on. Um, but I could talk about what an engineer does. But when I start talking about the prerequisites, you might even think some of them are unrelated. You think, well, why does he need to know calculus? Why does he need to know stress analyses? How does what is needed? You know, all these things that are prerequisites for the job how the job is to be done, but the job description is something else. So today we're going to talk job description, and we'll get started on the prerequisites next week. We'll finish the prerequisites the following week and see how an engin engineer, my goodness, how an elder is to be selected and supported. <clears throat> All right. <clears throat> so let's read. First Peter five one through four. I'm reading through. I'm reading from the uh, King James. You can follow along in whatever Bible you're comfortable with, familiar with. The ones in the pew, I believe, are consistently the NIV. Although I think I noticed ones that were different too. <clears throat> First Peter five one through four. The elders which are among you, <clears throat> I exhort, who am also an elder and a witness of the sufferings of Christ, and also a partaker of the glory that shall be revealed. Now he's addressing them. Feed the flock of God which is among you, taking the oversight thereof, not by constraint, some versions say not grudgingly, <clears throat> but willingly, not for filthy lucre, some say sordid gain, <clears throat> but of a ready mind, neither as being lords over God's heritage, but being examples to the flock. And, verse 4, when the chief shepherd shall appear, actually the Greek is arch, is like archangel, arch shepherd is what it actually says in Greek. <clears throat> when the chief shepherd 
shall appear, you shall receive a crown of glory that fadeth not away. <clears throat> so, to begin with, the chief shepherd, Jesus, is the one to whom these elders answer, and their primary job as under-shepherds is to feed the flock. Okay. <clears throat> In this particular passage, the word feed is just the verb form of the word shepherd. The, 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 the noun shepherd in Greek has a verb form, which means to shepherd, <clears throat> to tend a flock, to shepherd a flock. <coughs> Pardon me. <clears throat> so tending uh, or shepherding is appropriate if your Bible has to take care of the flock of God or tend to the flock of God, that's appropriate. That's, that is what the word means in this particular case. <clears throat> we sometimes talk about the New Testament churches and New Testament church principles and so forth and <clears throat> how they're organized, how they function and so forth. And the primary principle of a New Testament church is that every member is to function. <clears throat> that as members of the body of Christ at large, each of us has a gift, each of us has an ability to serve, an ability to bless the rest of our fellow believers, to edify them, to build them up, to encourage them. Um, <clears throat> but one critical aspect of the whole picture, ultimately, is how the spiritual leadership of a church is supposed to function as well. <clears throat> so the primary principle for the whole New Testament church is that Jesus is the head and that every member is the function. That's the bottom line for the whole church. <clears throat> but for the believer, for the elders, we need to know how to identify them. What does an elder look like? What is, what is he supposed to be doing? Uh, how do we know if that's a good shepherd or not? <clears throat> okay, there's various job titles. There's three words in Greek. Um, that appear throughout the New Testament that apply to the same individual, an elder, a pastor, a shepherd, uh, <clears throat> overseer. There's six different English words. Elder just means an older person. Sometimes it's called elders, sometimes it's called presbytery. It's only used one time that way. Uh, <clears throat> the Greek word episkopos means an overseer. It literally means a supervisor, sometimes translated bishop. Um, there's nothing special, that's just what the word means. Uh, and it's sometimes translated overseer. <clears throat> but it just means a supervisor. Uh, and the third word, which is poimen, uh, is only translated pastor once, but it, it's the, it means shepherd. That's, that is exactly what it means. In fact, in Spanish, there is no difference between the pastor of a church and the shepherd of a bunch of four-legged sheep. <clears throat> it's the same word. Uh, so those three Greek words <clears throat> translated six different ways total, two each, all apply to the same group of men that are, as a plural group, are supposed to be leading a church. <clears throat> it's the same person, same people. Okay, so there's a little bit of background information. There's one more idea that we need to talk about. <coughs> uh, I'm going to refer to these people primarily as shepherds. You'll hear me call them elders as well. Those are all still talking about the same group. <coughs> and looking at their job function, what they're supposed to be doing, what their job description is, is what we're going to be doing today. 
we're going to go to the Old Testament for a lot of it. Why would we go to the Old Testament to find out the New Testament job of a shepherd? Well, it's because sheep haven't changed. So the job hasn't changed. <clears throat> so when we go to Ezekiel 33, which, or 34, which we are going to do today, we're going to find that God is telling the shepherds that there are seven tasks that they're supposed to be doing, and they weren't. <clears throat> and those are the same tasks that a shepherd today is supposed to be doing. And either they are or they aren't. <clears throat> um, so the, the, the words <clears throat> that we've talked about so far, what we're going to see over and over, I'll point them out when we get to them. There's two more words we'll talk about. When we talk about the work of the shepherds, they can be seen in two ways. We, uh, if you were reading in the King James, First Peter 5, <clears throat> 2 said, feed the flock of God. Well, in this particular passage... <clears throat> the Greek word is poimen, uh, poimene, which is the it's just the verb form of the noun poimen, which is shepherd. But there's another word, bosco, which just means feed. It's only used nine times in the New Testaments, and it always means feed. Even if an animal's feeding itself, like feeding in a, in a field, <clears throat> that's the verb. It means to feed. But... Jesus used that word and the other word in the same conversation with Peter. Let's turn there real quick. Hold your finger here in 1 Peter 5. <clears throat> We're going to go to the Gospel of John, chapter 21. <clears throat> Jesus had a conversation with Peter. Some of you have been through this before. <clears throat> uh, they had sat down to eat on the beach. This is after the resurrection. Pardon me. <clears throat> Allergies are kicking up pretty good right now. <clears throat> and Peter had sat down, was eating the fish that Jesus had supplied, <clears throat> cooked on a fire there. And he, this is either the third or the fourth time, I'd have to go back and check, but it's either the third or the fourth time that Jesus had to call Peter away from commercial fishing. Now this is after the resurrection. Jesus already gave the assignment that they were to be his fishing for men, and Peter said, I'm going back fishing. He's not talking about just going out and dropping a line for fun. He's talking about going back to his old job. <clears throat> so Jesus is calling, away, calling him away from it from the last time, for the last time. He asked him, Simon, son of Jonas, you're working at your old job. He called him by his old name, not Peter. <clears throat> Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me more than these, more than the fish? Do you love me enough to commit yourself to me instead of to your commercial fishing? <clears throat> and Jesus and Peter asked him, answered him, yes, you know that I love thee. And you remember from previous teaching, he didn't use the same word. He used the phileo love, I'm fond of you. We're friends. Jesus had asked him, agape, are you committed to me? <clears throat> but Jesus answered him as if he had answered, okay. Because what he said is, feed my lambs. And the word there is bosco. It means provide food for my lambs. <clears throat> he asked him the second time, Simon, son of John, Jonas, lovest thou me? Again, he used the agape word. And he said, yes, you know that I love you. Again, he used the phileo, brotherly love word. I like you. <clears throat> and he answered, feed my sheep, King James. It actually says tend or shepherd my sheep. It's poimain. 
It's the verb form, poimene, the verb form of the, of the Greek word for shepherd. <clears throat> so Jesus asked him the third time, Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me? This time Jesus asked with the phileo word, do you even like me? Do you even care? And Peter was grieved because he said to him the third time, phileo thou me, lovest thou me, using the phileo word. And he said, Lord, you know all things. You know that I, and again, he used the word phileo. He couldn't use the word agape because he's the guy that just denied Jesus. He knew he wasn't really fully committed. After Acts chapter 2, he was. Interesting, huh? <clears throat> he says, you know that I love you. And Jesus said, feed my sheep. This time he used the word bosco again. Throw a bale of hay over the fence at least then. If you care about me at all, feed my lambs. Okay, <clears throat> those two words are both used, so we, need, we gotta talk about both of them. <clears throat> God commands the shepherds in all dispensations to feed the flock. And he refers to his word as the food that his sheep need. In 1 Peter 2, 2, he says, <clears throat> as newborn babes desire the word of the Lord that you may grow thereby. In Hebrews chapter 5, verses 11 through 14, he talks about you guys have become babes. You need milk rather than solid food. And he discusses that extensively at the end of Hebrews chapter 5. <clears throat> we could say that a person is feeding the sheep if all they do is read the word in public. And actually, that type of feeding is commanded. We're commanded to read the read the scripture publicly. First uh, Thessalonians 5.27 and 1 Timothy 4.13, both command the public reading of Scripture. There was a time when the little church at Cornell didn't have a pastor for a while, and Sister Jan here stepped into the gap and read the Scripture every Sunday morning. She was feeding the flock. She wasn't trying to pastor the church. She was just feeding the flock, because that's what Jesus commanded. <clears throat> she was feeding the flock. But teaching and exhortation from the Scripture are also commanded, not just reading. We're supposed to be teaching. We're supposed to be offering encouragement and exhortation and admonishment and so forth from God's word. <clears throat> There's five different ways that God tells us to ingest, if you want to take it, call it, uh, to take in God's word. One of them is just hearing. If somebody's reading the scripture and you're listening, yes, you're being fed. If you're willing to be fed, if you're hearing with an open heart. <clears throat> but another is reading it yourself. And I have noticed if I read aloud, that doesn't work for everybody. I've noticed some people, when they read aloud, all they're doing is there's a, a line of words coming out of their mouth, and they're not hearing themselves. For me, I'm hearing it too. So I'm, I'm getting it twice, kind of. I'm taking it in visually, and I'm also hearing it. <clears throat> but reading the word yourself, studying the word, going beyond just reading, looking that word up. What's that word mean? How come he says that? Because like that's what we just did, and in John chapter 21. There's two different words there. Why was Peter upset the third time? Not because he said it three times, because he changed to a different word. Okay, that's studying. <clears throat> Memorizing the word is taught in scripture. Psalm 119 verse 11 says, thy word have I hid in mine heart that I might not sin against thee. Memorization is taught in the scripture. <clears throat> and finally, meditating on the word. And this doesn't mean, you know, 
getting your legs into a lotus position and closing your eyes and saying, um, it, it, it does not mean emptying your mind. It means specifically focusing on a particular passage in God's word and thinking and thinking and considering how would this apply to my life? What other scriptures does it have to do with? How can I use this? How does God speak to me? What's this about? <clears throat> That's meditating on God's word. And all five of those are commanded for, for believers in general. <clears throat> They're specifically commanded for those that are teaching because if you're not feeding yourself, you can't feed anybody else either. <clears throat> this is not supposed to be a do as I say, not as I do type arrangement either. If you're a leader in a church, you need to be doing in such a way that people can do as you do. We're supposed to be leading by example. We just read that in verse 3. He said, serve as an example to the flock. <clears throat> in fact, in 1 Corinthians 14.3, Paul says that a prophet <clears throat> is supposed to speak to provide exhortation, edification, and comfort. And there's another place in 1 Corinthians 11.1, 1, I think it is, he says, follow me as I follow Christ. He was expecting them to be able to lead. He was leading by example. He was expecting them to be able to follow his example. <clears throat> now, honestly, I've known some pastors. I hope you don't follow their example. Um, I've known some that ended up in jail for theft. I've known some others that split churches because of their attitude and their, their hard-heartedness and others that didn't even believe God's word and taught false doctrine. <clears throat> so we want leaders that we can follow their example. <clears throat> God uses several different names for those teachers. We talk about a preacher, and what we mean is a pastor, a, a church leader of some sort. In the scripture, the word preacher isn't used very often. Uh, when it's used, I think it's only used, uh, well, it's not used very many times in the New Testament at all. Um, not used very many times in the whole Bible, but it's in, in the New Testament it's used primarily in the Gospels and in Acts. I think it's used one time in Second Peter chapter 2 where it says that Noah was a preacher of righteousness, and there's a few places like that. <clears throat> the word is not what, what we think of as a preacher. The, the Greek word is kerux, and it, it means a declarer, an announcer, and it's it's not the same thing as the speaker in a church, the teacher in a church. In fact, it's not a church gift. It's somebody taking the gospel where it's never been before. It's speaking to unbelievers. It's announcing something new. So Noah was announcing the, the judgment that was coming from God, and his audience rejected him, and they all died. Uh, Jeremiah announced the word of God to the people in Israel, and virtually all of them rejected it. You may remember the king took the writing where Jeremiah had written out the, the, the first text, first draft, I guess you'd call it, of what we call the book of Jeremiah, he sliced it up into pieces and burned it. Thanks a lot. <clears throat> God told him to start over. I'll dictate it again. Okay. He didn't have a good response. He was a declarer for God. <clears throat> now, the word... The, we, the, the Bible calls prophet, we think of as somebody that tells the future. That's not what it means. It's somebody who speaks for God. It's a mouthpiece for God. Whether they're just reading God's word and saying this is what God says, or whether in the Old Testament they frequently did have to tell, foretell the future because there wasn't a whole lot of God's word written down at that point. 
and very frequently they were telling what, what God was going to do. God was telling what he was going to do. Isaiah uh, chapter 43, I think, he points out that that's one of his pedigrees, is that he's the one who tells the end from the beginning, that he sees what's going to happen, because he wrote the whole story. Maybe that's why we call it his story, his story. <laughs> uh, but he can tell the last chapter because he wrote the whole book. See? So he did. <clears throat> but in the New Testament, that's not usually, that's not the primary meaning. It means somebody who speaks for God. And in 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 3, it says that a prophet, that person, is to speak <clears throat> to, to provide exhortation and edification and comfort to the church. If, if the elders see a need for a particular type of exhortation, encouragement to change something in our lives, then that's what they're speaking to. If they're simply teaching through the word and showing how to apply it to their life, then that's what they're doing is exhortation and encouragement and hopefully comfort as well. <clears throat> but the collective leadership of any given body of believers should be closely enough in contact with the members to know the general need. Sometimes people have to come and tell me. And just this morning, somebody told me they're having a problem with a particular passage in Scripture. And we, we talked about it briefly. I hope it helped. But we're going to be teaching on that passage not too long in the future in, in our Wednesday night meeting. So, hey, you want to get the skinny on that one, you got to show up, huh? <clears throat> so we, we want to meet those needs. That's part of feeding the flock. This is that Bosco idea of feeding the flock. <clears throat> a teacher is simply seeking to build accurate understanding of the scriptures. That's primarily what I do. I'm, I have to discipline my thinking to remind myself this has to be applicable. It has to, it has to speak to exhortation, edification, and comfort as well. Okay, Because otherwise I'm liable to just go in for the understanding portion. <clears throat> so the, the Greek word for that one is didaskalos. It just means a teacher. That's all it means. It's a specific gift. It's not to be confused with preaching, but the two have to go together. They, they both have to work. <clears throat> they overlap a lot. <clears throat> the actual word preacher we already talked about is kerux, and the verb form keruso, preaching, when Jesus came preaching the gospel of the kingdom, John the Baptist came preaching the gospel of the kingdom, the kingdom age, not the, not the cross. They weren't preaching the gospel of Christ. They were preaching the gospel of the kingdom age coming. It was declaring. It was announcing to a bunch of people who had never heard it. See, that's what that word was. Because a prophet is one who speaks for God, the work could include preaching, announcing the gospel to somebody who's never heard it, witnessing. Um, there are missionaries that take the gospel where it's never gone and many times have to translate the New Testament into their language so they can teach. Uh, so that, that's included. <clears throat> but all these ideas are part of feeding the flock. All of them could fall under the definition of the Greek word bosco. But what about shepherding? <clears throat> For that, we're going to end up going to the, New, to the Old Testament. But as we go through the whole scripture, we find out six things about shepherding. One is that sheep need a shepherd. Now, that same, seems logical enough that sheep are relatively dumb animals. If you like sheep, sorry, they're still dumb animals. Um, and they're pretty defenseless against all kinds of predators. 
And the most vicious of all predators is still around, and we call him the devil. And this, he's not a mythological creature. He says, be sober, be vigilant, for your enemy, the devil, walks about as a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. That's for us. God says there's a major predator around. We need the shepherd. <clears throat> we need Jesus. Okay. But he sends under-shepherds. <clears throat> he sends human shepherds. He establishes, he has assigned human shepherds. That's the second thing we learn all the way through Scripture. He assigned human shepherds. It could have been anybody from, like Moses, who was the shepherd over God's flock for 40 years in the desert. Um, Jesus himself is the great shepherd, obviously. <clears throat> but God holds those shepherds accountable for his flock, and we're going to read about that shortly. <clears throat> and the third thing is that the work of the shepherd has clear definition. Now here in 1 Peter chapter 5, if you haven't lost your place there, 1 Peter chapter 5, verses 1 through 4, <clears throat> verse 2 starts off, feed the flock of God. And it is, in this context, that is the word poimene, it is shepherd, <clears throat> the flock. But remember the feeding is part of that. <clears throat> the second thing, he says, take the oversight thereof. That means you've been made a supervisor. Do it. Okay. So what we've seen now is that, that these elders, he called them, he addressed himself to you elders. That's the word presbyteros that's translated elders. Uh, they're to poimen, shepherd, the flock. And it's confirmed in verse 3 and, uh, and verse 5, I guess, 4. Verse 4. Uh, and now he says, take the oversight thereof. So we've got all three words there. The, the presbyteros, elder word, the oversight word, episcopus, and the shepherding word, poimen, are all used in this little passage that's to the elders. And that's a key idea, that there's not a hierarchy of you know, pastors and elders and shepherds and deacons and lay elders and, and abbots and bishops and cardinals and other little birds. No. I wish they had cardinals around here. They're so pretty. I guess there's a reason why they don't live here, but they're so pretty. <clears throat> anyway, this is not a hierarchy. It's all the same person, same persons. It says, do so willingly, not grudgingly. That if, if you don't want to do the job of shepherding a flock, then don't do it. If, you, if your attitude is not to love the people and to, to take care of their needs, then you shouldn't be doing that job. It's not a matter of whether you can. It's a matter of whether you're willing at that point. <clears throat> Do so willingly. The next thing he says is not for the sake of money. That doesn't mean elders are not supposed to be supported by the church because some of them get to a point where this completely consumed their life. That's all they have time to do is to take care of that flock. And at that point, you better be supporting them because they don't have any other way. They're taking their whole life taking care of you. <clears throat> In our church, we've been lucky. We've had shepherds that had another source of income, which was good because for a while this was a pretty tiny church. Still not big, but and that's good. But this is a real thing. It doesn't mean they're not to be supported. It does mean that money had better not be their motive. If you're doing it for money, you're in the wrong business. Go, go be a truck driver. Go be a politician, something. Number five, not lording it over the flock. You're not the head cheese here. You're not, you're not something special, say. They used to say, not all that in a bag of chips. Right, not that too. <clears throat> not to lord it over the flock. 
Don't act like you're something special. Don't be bossy. Instead, number six, lead by example. The shepherds are to be living in such a way that the rest of the flock can do as they do, not just what they say, and be confident that they're doing right. So for 1 Corinthians 11.1, 1, we already quoted that. He says, be followers of me as I am of Christ. Okay. As he's walking with Jesus, you can, you can obey him, follow him, do, do what he does. Okay. If he's not, then <laughs> something's wrong. If you can't follow his example, something's wrong. <clears throat> Finally, that these elders are to expect a reward from Christ, the arch shepherd, the arch shepherd, the chief shepherd, at his coming for faithful service. Uh, the contrast would be someone who expects a reward from people. They want honor from people. They want money from people. They want to be treated as something special from people. It's easy to fall into that trap. Balaam, you can read about him in Numbers chapters 24 through 31. Uh, he was a real prophet of God, but he's remembered as a false prophet because he sold out. He was a real prophet, but he sold out, and he's only remembered for his evil deeds. He wanted the honor. He wanted the money. He wanted the position from people badly enough that he deliberately helped God's enemies attack Israel. <clears throat> okay. So let's turn to Ezekiel. Ezekiel is almost right in the middle of your Bible. Uh, there's five major prophets, Isaiah, Jeremiah, Lamentations, Ezekiel, Daniel. So is Jerry Lane? Easy, Dan. There's two workhorses. And we're finding out if Jerry's lame. And then we say, easy, Dan. And it's Ezekiel. <clears throat> Ezekiel chapter 34. I'm going to read the first ten verses. He actually goes through 16 because he reiterates, but I'm just going to read the first 10, and we'll get the seven points here that God says the shepherds are supposed to be doing. I'm going to read fairly quickly. Ezekiel chapter 34, verses 1 through 10. The word of the Lord came unto me, saying, Son of man, prophecy against the shepherds of Israel. They're doing a bad job. <clears throat> prophesy and say unto them, Thus saith the Lord God unto the shepherds, Woe be to the shepherds of Israel that do feed themselves. You're feeding your own self instead of feeding the flock. <clears throat> Should not the shepherds feed the flocks? You eat the fat, you clothe yourself with the wool, you kill them that are fed, but you feed not the flock. You're stuffing yourself off of the, off of the flock and not feeding the flock. <clears throat> Verse 4, it says, The diseased have you not strengthened neither have you healed that which was sick. We'll talk about that. I'm not sure I understand the difference. <clears throat> neither have you bound up that which was broken. Neither have you brought again that which was driven away. Neither have you sought that which was lost. But with force and with cruelty have you ruled them, and they were scattered because there is no shepherd. If you're not doing these things, you're not a shepherd. <clears throat> and they became meat food to all the beasts of the field. There were predators then, too when they were scattered. My sheep wandered through all the mountains upon every high hill. My flock was scattered upon all the face of the earth, and none did search or seek after them. Therefore, you shepherds, hear the word of the Lord. As I live, saith the Lord God, surely because my flock became a prey, and my flock became meat to every beast of the field, because there was no shepherd. Neither did my shepherds search for my flocks, but the shepherds fed themselves and fed not my flock. Therefore, O ye shepherds, hear the word of the Lord. 
Thus saith the Lord God, because I am against, behold, I am against the shepherds, I will require my flock at their hands and cause them to cease from feeding the flock. Neither shall the shepherds feed them any more, for I will deliver my flock from their mouth, that they may not be meat for them. And then he starts in verse 11 through 16 and says that he is going to do for the whole church, for the, well, actually it was for Israel, all the things that, that uh, uh, the shepherds of Israel were failing to do. And that God's going to do them. He's not going to fail them. <clears throat> he named seven things. Feed the sheep. Strengthen those who are diseased. That may have to do with simply corrective teaching <clears throat> uh, or encouragement, help to change self-destructive practices, uh, habits in a person's life, maybe. Uh, the next one, heal those that are sick. It's very similar, uh, but it's promoting spiritual healing through godly counsel. There is no indication that the shepherds all have the gift of physical healing. Sorry, you know, I, I don't have any gift of healing. <clears throat> This could include corrective teaching to overcome previous misconceptions. Several times in the last six months, someone during a Bible study has suddenly realized there was something that fixed a problem that they had believed forever because of what they'd been taught someplace uh, about God's Word, about their relationship with God, and it gave a sense of healing in their lives. Uh, at the Bible study at Cornell, that happened several times too. The people that had been under a load for years and years because of bad teaching, all of a sudden, in God's word, saw, I'm free. I'm no longer a slave to that. I don't have to think that way anymore. <clears throat> so possibly that's what it is. Number four, bind up those who are broken. Now that might mean promoting forgiveness toward people that have hurt you. Because if, if you've been damaged, there have been times that took me 30 years to forgive someone that hurt me and I finally dawned on me, they don't even know who I am. They don't remember me. They're reigning in my life because I keep remembering the damage they did to me as a child maybe or as a teenager or something. And they don't even know I exist. They wouldn't remember me if I met them on the street. And I'm allowing them to torment me. Well, then if I can learn forgiveness, that heals me from that. That binds me up. That <clears throat> sets me free from that. Number five, <clears throat> to seek out and bring back those that have been driven away. Sometimes people have been hurt in a church, and they leave. Maybe because they just can't face whoever hurt them anymore, or maybe because they're angry. In either case, if a person can be approached gently, lovingly, and you can promote that forgiveness, promote that healing, bring somebody back so they come back without fear and are, are fully in fellowship, then that's, that would fit this. <clears throat> But if, if you just have the attitude of, well, they left, I don't know where they are, they're God's flock, not mine, um, then that's not a good attitude to take. Finally, it says, seek the lost. This refers to both evangelism and the reconciliation of those that have really backslidden. They're just not walking with God anymore at all. They need to be sought out. They need to be reached. Their, their heart needs to be touched with God's love. And the last thing is only implied here in Ezekiel but it's spelled out in Acts. That's where we're going next, by the way, is Acts chapter 20. It's implied here, though, that we're to prevent them from becoming prey to predators. He says, my flock has become prey to every beast of the field because there was no shepherd. There are wolves that'll spring up, sometimes within leadership, sometimes from outside, and will come in with false doctrine, trying to lead people off into just bad 
teaching. Uh, a, a niece of ours has become involved with the church that's drawn her back completely into they're trying to keep all the tenets of Judaism. They're Christians, but they've put themselves deliberately under the law, trying to keep all the feasts, trying to keep the dietary stuff. And you think, what are you doing? That was never assigned to you in the first place. You didn't become a Jew when you were saved. You became part of the body of Christ. You've been set free. Why are you deliberately going back and putting yourself under bondage? And I don't have a close enough re relationship with her to pull her away from that. We talked about it for a while, and she, I think, finally got mad, and she, we, we quit talking about it. She, she quit calling me. Uh, sorry. <clears throat> but we're to prevent them from being prey to predators. So there's a checklist. Any shepherd can look at that and read those seven things and say, am I doing this? Any person that thinks God's calling them in a ministry as in an office gift of ministry can look at that checklist and say, is this what I'm doing? Is this where my heart is? Is this what I want to do? And if, if, if I'm not doing it, why am I not doing it? Here we go. See? So it's a good checklist. And it's also something we can look at as a flock and say, is that person actually doing the job of a shepherd? <clears throat> okay? We can recognize it that way. Let's turn to Acts chapter 20 real quick. <clears throat> Acts chapter 20, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts. <clears throat> chapter 20. Now if I read 17, verse 17 real quick, it says that from the island of Malta, King James says Miletus, but it's, it's Malta, Paul called to, the, to Ephesus, he sent a letter to Ephesus and called for the elders, plural, of the church, singular, at Ephesus. The reason I'm calling that out is because every time the teaching is given on this in the New Testament, there's supposed to be a multiplicity of leaders in a church, multiple leaders, okay? So starting in verse 28, then, skip to verse 28. This is what he's talking to them about. <clears throat> he's giving them his last message. But in verse 28, he gives their assignment. <clears throat> he says, Take heed, therefore, unto yourselves and to all the flock over the which the Holy Ghost has made you overseers. There's that word again, episkopos, overseers. Uh, and we already saw there were elders, that's that word presbyteros, <clears throat> to feed the church of God, and it is that word poimen again, so they're shepherds, to feed the church of God, which he has purchased with his own blood. That's an interesting little idea right there. It didn't say the blood of Jesus. It says God purchased the flock with his own blood. That's because Jesus is God in the flesh. Okay, Nice little thing to remember. And he goes on to say, uh, in verse 29, he says, I know this, that after my departing shall grievous wolves enter in among you, not sparing the flock. And also of your own selves shall men arise, speaking perverse things to draw away disciples after them. So there's such a thing as a wolf coming in as a sheep, a wolf in sheep's clothing, that's where we get this idea. And that they're coming in de deliberately to try to draw away disciples after themselves. Okay, we call it heresy, we call it um, cults, and so forth. <clears throat> Notice what he says, though. He says they're to guard themselves. He says, watch yourselves. Recognize that you yourself are also in danger. Guard the flock against predators, and which might be coming from among the leaders. Feed the flock, in the King James, or shepherd the flock, is what the Greek word there says. And then it says, be overseers. They have a job to do. All three words are used there. Now, this whole book's written on the job of being a shepherd. I'm not trying to replace any of those. Uh, 
some of those books aren't even close to being biblical in focus. Uh, there's lots of absolute baloney out there that's being taught as if it was, you know, gospel. And what we're trying to do is look at God's word and see what it actually says. Okay, uh, I'm not teaching what tradition says. I'm going to try to teach what God says. Uh, some consider these ideas to be outdated or no longer relevant for one reason or another. The Word of God has to stand as a unit. It's either all true, all relevant, eternally relevant as God's Word, or it's not. And if it's not, then we got a problem. We shouldn't even be in church. Okay. <clears throat> so we're going to come back to this topic next week. If you want to read ahead, we're going to be talking about the qualifications for leadership. We'll finish up the responsibilities. But we'll talk about the qualifications of leadership. If you want to write these verses down, it'll be 1 Timothy chapter 3, verses 1 through 8. The, response, the uh, prerequisites, the, the qualifications are laid out there. Also, Titus chapter 1, verses 5 through 9. And we'll come back to this passage in 1 Peter chapter 5, verses 1 through 4 also, because there's some qualifications laid out there. With that, we'll close. We'll go ahead and pray and then sing one more song and be dismissed. Lord Jesus, you've encouraged us to pray, therefore, the Lord of the harvest, that he send forth laborers into the harvest. And we're echoing that prayer. We desire that you raise up elders, shepherds, overseers from within the body that we can recognize, that we can see this, this person's doing the job and that we can recognize them for that work and, and see your work flourish and and uh, can't think of the word I want to, to uh, prosper in your hand we <clears throat> we want to do things your way we know that your way is is really not only the best way it's the only way to do things and still be in obedience to you we don't have the option to just wander off and create our own agenda we ask that you'd focus our hearts on what you want and that you'd change us into your likeness so that we can be the men and women of God that you called us to be and be able ambassadors of your grace. In Jesus' name, amen.